What's up, everybody? This is the 10 After 7 Podcast, Episode 7. Today is Monday, April 27th, 2020, and we're coming off one of the best weekends because the sun was out and the NFL Draft was here to save us. On Thursday, it kicked off at 5 p.m., business as usual. Called up the buddy, said, hey, let's get one of those Zoom links. So that's exactly what we did. We had the beers, we had the margaritas, and let it go. Four hours of straight fun debating who's going to be the impact player in fantasy next year, who's going to make the Super Bowl winning pick if there is one, and you know who stole the show? Let's take you to the full video, the full recording of the Green Bay Packers pick at number 26th in the first round. And with the 26th pick of the 2020 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select... No idea what the fuck we're doing. No clue, University. And there you have it. The Green Bay Packers. Not only did they make the most baffling pick in the first round, that's going to be all the talk leading up this whole week, and probably for the next three years it's going to be the talk of the town. The Green Bay Packers decided to select Jordan Love, quarterback at a Utah State, with a 26th overall pick in the first round. You know what's crazy about that? They didn't have the 26th pick in the first round. No, they traded up to take that quarterback out of Utah State while Aaron Rodgers, arguably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, is in their house and has four years left on his current deal. So why did the Green Bay Packers make this move? It all comes full circle, ladies and gentlemen. We witnessed it when Brett Favre was at the tail end of his Green Bay Packer career. The Packers front office decided, you know what? Aaron Rodgers is there. Let's take him. That's the difference. Aaron Rodgers, we knew, was falling in that draft. And he fell right into the lap of the Green Bay Packers. Not the case with Jordan Love. He would have fell possibly into their lap a couple picks later, where they were, I think, the 30th pick. He would have fell to him. But no, they had to get their guy. And now, what do you do? I hate all the talk about, oh, it's, it's going to be the motivation that Aaron Rodgers needs. Jordan Love's going to push him to the next level. If Aaron Rodgers has a next level, I can't wait to see it. Because I already think he's one of the best. And I don't think it's going to take some 20-something-year-old quarterback from Utah State to come in and get any more out of him. The Green Bay Packers are openly cheating on Aaron Rodgers. And they do deserve to get bashed all week. Because here's the deal. You were one win away from the Super Bowl last year. The 49ers took it to you. Running back ran for 230-something yards. Mozart, career game, when it counted. So, hey, we don't need to shore up our defensive line, even though the ball got ran straight up their ass. Let's take a QB that could sit behind Rodgers for four or five years. That's not what the Packers are thinking, though. The fact that they traded up for Jordan Love makes it that much more interesting and makes me believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded from the Green Bay Packers in the next two to three years. If they want, best case scenario, they get one Super Bowl, one more Super Bowl at Aaron Rodgers and say, deuces, you're out. See you later. 
we got our guy for the next 15 years if it works out that way. You got lucky the first two times. Or, quite possibly, Jordan Love is going to take over that job, and that's not going to happen. That is not the scenario the Packers want or need. So they're either going to push Jordan out the door and hopefully get that second Super Bowl along with it, or after three years, they're going to go, you know what, we got one out of them. Same with Favre, we got one Super Bowl out of them. That's great. Kept our fans entertained. People kept coming to the games. We were relevant. Aaron, sorry. We got to start playing Jordan Love now. Because it's not going to come down to them paying Jordan Love to be a backup quarterback. Because if they do push this to the four or five year limit, they're either going to lose Jordan Love, which I don't believe is going to happen. They took him with that first round pick for a reason. They want him to play eventually. Or Aaron Rodgers... I hate to say it, people. I hate to say it. Because it shouldn't be this way. But I love the fact that we are full circle. Aaron Rodgers went through it. And I love it because I just came off reading Gunslinger, autobiography on Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers is a personality that's not everyone, it's not everyone's cup of tea. The first words uttered out of his mouth when he met Brett Favre at the facility when he was brought in was, hey, Grandpa. It's not going to go over too well, is it? Nope, not at all. From that point on, Brett Favre looked at him as, it, looked at him as just another guy. Hazed him, did the old helmet trick, pass it around to the teammates thinking it's going to charity, everyone signs it. Nope, that was actually Aaron's actual helmet. So how does Aaron, does Aaron take that experience and go, you know what? I'm actually going to show Jordan Love some love. I don't think that's the case. I think Rodgers, over the years, has learned to respect Brett Favre, a legendary quarterback at that. And Aaron's competitive edge is going to treat Jordan Love the same way. And there were people on that Brett Favre team that literally had to pull Aaron Rodgers aside and say, hey, we know you're smart. We know you're the smartest dude in the room. Now shut the fuck up. So Rodgers kind of brought that upon himself. It'll be interesting to see how he handles Jordan Love and how Jordan Love's personality rubs off on those teammates and Aaron Rodgers in particular. But the Green Bay Packers, they stole the show for all the wrong reasons. But here's what I like about the draft. There's the teams at the top. We know the Cincinnati Bengals took Joe Burrow. We know Chase Young went to the Redskins. And we do know that the Miami Dolphins got to Otunga Bailoa. Those teams, I'm not going to worry about. I'll worry about those teams in like three years when those picks come to fruition and they're actually battling for a spot to possibly make the playoffs. But they're at the top for a reason. They've been bad and they probably will be bad for the next couple of years. I look at the next tier. Who are those teams that were bad but made a couple of picks and they're going to be in the playoff hunt? May not make the playoffs, but they'll be in the hunt for sure. And I look at the team like the New York Jets. They have their quarterback, who they believe is their quarterback, and Sam Darnold. Went out and got a tackle. Makai Becton out of Louisville, ginormous human being. And they got Denzel Mims, the Baylor receiver. Right there, you have your quarterback. Now get a lineman with your first-round pick and get him a weapon. The receiving core still looks pretty trash. They lost Robbie Anderson. 
Uh, Kunwa, I spent about 50 bucks on him uh, last year in fantasy. Bad decision. Uh, and I don't, is Jamison Crowder still in that ball club? I don't know. It doesn't look great. But I like the fact that they're getting guys for their franchise quarterback to possibly produce. Another team, I like what the Colts did. The Colts, the Packers moved up to get Jordan Love because it's already out there. Now the Colts were coming from second round to the first to grab Jordan Love. So the Colts had to get a quarterback later on. Fourth round, they pick up Jake Eason. It's out there, doesn't move really well. Cannon of an arm. Got beat out by Georgia. Quarterback Jake Fromm had to transfer back to Washington. So they got a QB. But in the second rounds, they got Michael Pittman Jr. Big, tall receiver from USC. And they got Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin running back. Weapons. One year of Phillip Rivers. Maybe teaches Jacob Eason a thing or two. And they could be in the hunt. I know Michael Pittman might help him now. And then the Browns, people are saying, had a good draft. Because usually the Browns are just going for splash. Let's get the guy with the big name. This case, this year, they got Dredgick Wills, arguably the best offensive lineman in the entire draft. And they got uh, Grant Delprit, the DB at LSU, shoring up their defense. That's a team that we know has Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. They were the talk of the town last year and then fell flat on their face. New coach comes in. Let's see if Wills could come right in and help that offensive line, which I believe he will. So those are the three teams that are going to be in the hunt. Possible playoff teams. Listen, if the Jets are terrible, don't come, don't come after me. I've just been pulling for the Jets since Rex Ryan was there. Cool uniforms, cool color, layoff. And then there's the teams that last year, Green Bay Packers could have been in that list, that were one or two wins away from getting the Super Bowl. Or a team like the 49ers, who maybe had the best draft, that lost in the Super Bowl. They go out and get another receiver, Brandon Ayuk, Arizona State, in the first round. Then at the back end of the uh, first round, they get Javon Kinlaw, a D tackle. We know they traded their defensive lineman, Armstead, to the Colts earlier this year and got one of those first round picks out of it. And then here we go. This week, they traded for an offensive lineman, Trent Williams, from the Washington Redskins. And that was on the eve of Joe Staley their current lineman retiring after 13 years in the NFL. So it looks like the 49ers are reloading, and they're going to be right back there next year. Another team's the Ravens. People love what they did. They got LSU linebacker Patrick Queen, hell of an athlete. And then they got J.K. Dobbins in the second round, running back. We know they're a run-heavy team. And J.K., there were times last year when I watched Ohio State games that thought, is this guy not the best running back in college football? So they're that team. And then Jerry Jones sitting on his lot, or yacht, lot. Shit, he probably has 100 of those. Jerry Jones, talk about falling right into your lap. People had him ranked the number one receiver in the draft. I know I did. C.D. Lamb. Cowboys snag him. And then in the second round, brother of Stephon Diggs, Trevon Diggs out of Alabama, DB, second longest wingspan in the NFL draft. They grab him. And the Cowboys, people have been waiting for them not to be an 8-8 eight eight team. This could be the year where they might make some noise, honestly. C.D. Lamb, 
as the third receiver with Amari Cooper over there. Uh, who else do they have? Who's their second guy? I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, CeeDee Lamb going there, unbelievable. McCarthy, new head coach. That offense should actually be somewhat good. So that's three teams that are going to be knocking on the Super Bowl door, ladies and gentlemen. Can I believe I just brought up the Dallas Cowboys? No, because I hate them. America's team, my ass. I usually say the Green Bay Packers are America's team, but right now they look like America's dumbest team, taking Jordan Love in the first round. So that's what I have on the NFL draft. There's grades out there. I was listening to the radio this morning. Apparently there was four teams that had A pluses. If you're a fan of a team, you could go on the internet and you could find the grade that you want for your team. They're out there. I guarantee you one website has your team getting an A and another has them getting an F. If you want to search that out, be my guest. So those are the teams that did well. Other teams that did bad, I really don't have much for you. The Packers took a shot. And I, I got a couple buddies. My brother especially is a Packer fan. You're going to go through it again. When Rodgers walks, blame your front office. Hopefully you get that second Super Bowl before then. Uh, let's move on to the Last Dance documentary. Last night, episodes three and four. Another terrific one, in my opinion. This one broke down. Dennis Rodman got into the backstory about him. I knew most of that because we've already seen the 30 for 30 on Rodman. Uh, they got into the character of Phil Jackson a little bit, where he's from, kind of a hippie. Uh, did acid. Uh, Phil Jackson right now, behind Michael Jordan, if we're ranking characters in this, I think every person in America, after watching this documentary, is going to say, I want to play for Phil Jackson. I wish I had played for Phil Jackson. There's probably NBA players right now. LeBron James, he's in the argument for the greatest player of all time. Kobe and Michael Jordan had that privilege to play for Phil. And LeBron James is probably looking at it like, damn, I wish I could play for that guy. And the one story comes up. I didn't know this about Rodman. When Scottie Pippen came back after missing 35 games with his injury in 1997, Dennis Rodman kind of felt like the third wheel behind him and Jordan. And he goes up to Phil Jackson straight up during the season in January and asks if he could take a vacation. I love Dennis Rodman. That vacation? Las Vegas. No other place than Sin City. And they brought Michael Jordan into the office to ask, hey, Michael, you know, Dennis wants a vacation. And Michael's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I want a vacation too. I probably need it more than anyone. Yeah, well, you know, Dennis, he, he wants to go to Vegas. And Phil goes, what if it's just for 48 hours, Dennis? Can you do that? Dennis agrees. 48 hours in Vegas sounds pretty well. I think I did 24 hours and I thought it was too much. Uh, Michael says, we're not getting them back. You let them go, we're not getting them back. Sure enough, Dennis Rodman goes to Vegas, exceeds that 48 hours, and they have to go knocking on his door a couple days later to come get him back to practice. And Carmen lectures in the documentary and uh, she still looks pretty damn good. She is, growing up, she was one of the hottest girls I know, or not know, geez, that'd be something. But she was one of the hottest known girls out there. And she is still, I don't know how old she is, it doesn't matter. She's hot. Carmen Electra, Hall of Fame hot. Uh, so that story was wild. 
Jordan asking for a vacation during the season. Uh, they had the Cleveland uh, shot that Jordan made in 1991. Jordan's highlights. I know we've seen him over the years. I don't... Uh, keep showing him. Keep showing him for the rest of the time. This guy hangs in the air for longer than I've seen anyone hang in the air. We saw Zion Williamson last year, and his highlights are he's one of the most explosive athletes, but Jordans are just different. He no-joke floats. Air Jordan is the most, it's the nickname that makes most sense more than any nickname on earth. And how about Dennis Rodman's highlights in this? How many loose balls did that guy go for? And it was kind of cool hearing him talk about we know how great of a rebounder is. The cool stat was I think he had seven games where he had 20-plus rebounds and zero points. You want to make an impact in the game without scoring? Look no further. And his highlights, him tapping balls to each other. I mean, you just thought, what if this guy played volleyball? He'd be incredible. Well, the highlights that are coming back, especially for our generation not seeing it, pretty amazing. Uh, and that shot that I brought up against Cleveland, Jordan, no joke, was going up. Shot was going to be blocked. Kind of held it himself in the air. And then nails it. And then, of course, a documentary dives deep into the Pistons-Bulls rivalry. We've kind of seen that already before because there's a documentary out there about the bad boys. And, man, no love lost. Try to think about a rivalry in today's age that even comes close to that one. You're not going to find it. Horace Grant's quoted on there as he's talking about the Pistons walking off after the Bulls defeated them in 1991 before the game ends, they panned to Horace Grant and he just goes, straight up bitches. Who's saying that in today's age, 20 years from now? No one. They give Michael Jordan the iPad. Here's Isaiah talking about why he walked off. Jordan goes, I don't care. He's probably only saying that because people, people don't like the way he handled it now. Nothing's going to change how big of an asshole he was. And it's crazy that a, a handshake is what caused all that. Jordan says, hey, two years, I got my ass kicked. I sat there and shook your hand. Isaiah said, hey, when this happened with us in the Boston Celtics, Larry Bird and those guys walked straight off. That's how it was passed. I love that. I love it. I kind of, it was crazy because when it was going down, I said, man, Isaiah, and then whatever, dude. People lose differently. People take losing differently. If I don't want to shake your hand, I don't have to shake your hand. You're celebrating right now. Celebrate. And then on the other hand, Jordan goes, no, man, we got our asses kicked two years in a row and we went on that court, shook your hand, said congratulations and good luck. I thought about what rivalry lives up to it. Warriors, Cavs, they went at it for the last five plus years. Doesn't, doesn't sniff it. Draymond Green, yeah, you know, we know he hit LeBron James below the waist. It's known that they're buddies. Uh, I thought Red Sox, Yankees back in the early 2000s when the Red Sox hadn't won in forever. There were some brawls in that. And then for football, I think it changes year to year. You saw Peyton Manning, Brady. There was the utmost respect for each other there. There was the Steelers, Bengals. I think there's even, there might be stories out there that they actually fought outside of football when they saw each other at clubs. I, that's as close as we're going to get. I think Joey Porter might have knocked some dude out. Uh, I know he ran on the field when he was a coach. So I thought it's awesome. It's only going to get better. I think we're going to start to see more footage. I love the footage that they showed on the team plane uh, in 1998 when they were taking a trip to Salt Lake City. And Jordan's giving one of the rookies a hard time. 
saying, man, this guy's Dennis Rodman Jr. doesn't get any sleep. And the player's like, man, come on, man. My parents are going to see this. And Michael's like, hey, mom and dad, he's an alcoholic. So Jordan, I, I can't wait till they get right into that. The actual footage that they've saved up for the last 20 years. But learning more and more about these characters, awesome. Phil Jackson, be my life coach. That dude is awesome. Oh, and posted on my Instagram, Michael Wilbon dropping a motherfuckers. That's the guy I watched on, pardon, pardon the interruption, for my entire childhood, every day after school. And he says, yes, Jordan dropped that go home motherfuckers, which was awesome. All the beat writers thought Cleveland Cavaliers were going to knock the Bulls out. Jordan knew every single one of them. He said, we got you. We got you, and then tonight we're going to finish you off. So he hits that shot, jumps up in the air, iconic fist jump. He's like 10 feet in the air at that point. And he yells, go home, motherfuckers, because all those beat writers counted him out in the first place. That's what I have for today. My dog's barking. I got to get out of here. Thank you for tuning in to the 10 After 7 podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on Instagram at 10 underscore after 7. Woo! Go Dodgers.